What's up, everyone? <laughs> nope, take two. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go back to the normal thing. Hey, everyone, John Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, live on location, entrepreneur sound bites from Bear Mountain Resort. This is Optical Course. We're on the road, baby. Here we go. All right, John. We had some of the best and brightest of all of Vancouver Island yeah. on the podcast today, talking about entrepreneurship struggles, talking about challenges that they have faced, talking about personal, inspiring work that they do. It, it was amazing. Yeah, it turns out they had obstacles. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. the, the whole day as a whole, we were at the All Island Entrepreneurship Summit here at Bear Mountain. It's put on by Your Entrepreneurship Society. Yes, Victoria, an amazing organization which is actually responsible for the two of us meeting that's right that's how we met wouldn't have happened without yes no we love yes yes <laughs> nice one <laughs> thanks creative yeah so we we've been here for nine-ish hours i would say and we yeah. we heard three world-class speakers which we'll link to all of their bios in the show notes just to give them another shout out jason dorland our dear friend was one of them and his wife robin yes who has uh, agreed to come on to the podcast yeah we nabbed her we nabbed a few people. Yeah, we did. Not only for the short segments, yeah. which we, you will soon hear, yeah. but also for full episodes. Full episodes, yeah. Yep. Your regular 90-minute version. But this is not one of those. This is a quick hitter. It's about uh, six to ten minutes, I would say, yeah. with a variety of entrepreneurs. So if you want to really pack in the learning and hear different perspectives, you're in the right place. Love it. So here we are with Tony Drolet, and he has an amazing company called Elite Promotional Marketing. So, Tony, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, guys? Thanks Excellent. for having me. Yeah. Uh, good story start straight off the bat, actually. It's, uh, it's Drolet. Oh, and, yeah, no, and that's okay. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's all good, because so, so speaking of business, uh, the matriarch in the family, about 1930s or so, uh, in the Drolet family, uh, it used to be Drolet once upon a time, yeah. but she said, you know, n- this is in Canada. Nobody wants to do business with the French. <laughs> wow. So we're hard to eat that. <laughs> so, so there you are. So that was but, the first obstacle then. That was the first obstacle. Exactly. <laughs> Get rid of that <laughs> French got, pronunciation. You got it. Terrible, but there you go. So yeah, so uh, yeah, Tony Drolet and Elite Promotional Marketing is my company. Uh, I bought it uh, a year and a half ago. Oh, uh, wow. It's uh, it's been a, a fun ride so far. Yeah, I actually was the uh, sales rep for the company since 2014. Uh, they brought me in from the uh, the local soccer team, uh, the Victoria Highlanders, uh, and so sales opportunity and. Uh, in Elite here, we do uh, the full range of promotional products, branded apparel, both corporate and team. We do a lot of cool awards. A lot of people in Victoria actually know us as a uh, as an award shop because uh, our location on Quadra across from the keg has been there since 1960 as, wow. a, uh, as a trophy shop. So pretty cool. And we get a lot of neat customers that come in and smaller orders that don't necessarily keep the lights on, but it's really fun to help people right. that have been coming back for like 20, you know, 30 years even sometimes. Pretty amazing. For sure. Uh, so yeah. could, could people just like bring t-shirts and be like, throw a logo on this? Yeah. You know what? So that's actually a really interesting part of our business is uh, people will often come with garments that they already own. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I always like to, the big education piece uh, in our industry is that we actually make a lot of our margin on the apparel we provide. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have great Good. wholesale relationships across uh, Canada, North oh, America. I've actually got a, a set of shirts right now I'm building uh, in Pakistan. Oh, and wow. and then via a supplier of mine that's actually headed out of Texas, 
And uh, this wow. is part of the global economy, of course, we're in right now. Of course, yeah. Uh, but more importantly than ever, our clients really want it to be here in Victoria. So yeah. uh, we do a lot of our production here. We'll print on shirts if people need. Uh, and then uh, the, the list goes on for product offerings. I could talk forever about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do, man. <laughs> you're, you're one of the best talkers that, uh, that I've come across in, in this community of entrepreneurship. Well, thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I really applaud your ability to, to truly network and, and get out there and actually meet people, learn about them, help them in their business, and then by extension, they want to do business with you. So it's a, it's a great strategy. Uh, you know what? It's it's a really important part of my uh, you know my business methodology has always been, and it, I, I've got to give a lot of credit to my mentor Keith Dag, uh, who's a real uh, you know coming up on 83 years old this year. He's uh, still going strong. Used to have Copen Communications before that. He owned uh, CFAX with a with a buying group, uh, and he's told me when I first started working with him back in 2014 when I came to Elite. He said, Tony, you're going to want to get out to the all the different networking events. So, you know, the yeses of the world and the chamber and tourism Victoria, now Destination Greater Victoria. And I really actually do it all. Uh, and I'm, I'm present all the time. And uh, when I'm not trying to talk about Elite, I'm actually trying to connect mm-hmm. business to business. That's one of my uh, biggest passions is finding people that need each other and, and uh, putting them together. For awesome. sure, man. What would you say is the the greatest hurdle that you've had to overcome from switching from sales all the time to managing the whole business? That and and actually that's a microcosm of my entire challenge as a uh, as an entrepreneur has been that shift um, going from having a uh, a sales strategy that involved start to finish uh, fulfillment, so discovery with my client, uh, right through quoting. Uh, sourcing uh, and then of course fulfillment in production and delivery and then the follow-ups all the good CRM that uh, you need to keep your business rolling yeah Uh, and taking that as a sales rep in my own little accounts that I had uh, and then eventually actually my accounts outgrew the inside sales so that's when I figured I should buy the company Uh, and then and and it was a wonderful idea and I'm a big dreamer Uh, (laughs) but then the reality of it started to hit which was I needed to take my skill set and my, uh, my way of doing business and p- transition it to the entire company. Right. And so that has been, we're uh, September 1st, or sorry, December 1st of 2017 was when we bought. Uh, now we've gone through uh, bookkeeping changes, we've gone through staff overhauls, we've gone through uh, you know, restructuring supply and uh, business relationships with all, all sorts of people across the community and in our supply network. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a long, you know, arduous process, but uh, we're up in sales. All right. <laughs> so something's working. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I know for me, being a business owner for 10 years, I know there's been many moments where I'm just staring at the ceiling, wondering, you know, am I going to make payroll tomorrow? Or, you know, is this customer complaint going to be dealt with? Or what does that look like for you? Like, have you had any moments where you're just on the floor, kind of rock bottom moments where you're like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get it past this one? Yeah, you know what? Absolutely. As I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, the biggest thing that I find we uh, n- need to consider when we're operating in my industry is the fact that it's not just me and I'm not doing the service. Uh, I'm the service provider, we'll say, but I'm not creating the products. Uh, I've got a production staff both here and across the globe. Uh, and so depending on the different projects, I've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Right. And uh, the one, actually before we even bought the company, the one that stands out for me uh, was a project that we created a custom luggage piece overseas. Mm. And the proof cycle went fine and the product got over here. And I'm not going to name drop because it was so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a spelling mistake on the actual product. 
and we're talking like a $250 product at 250 units. It was a, it was a large oh, wow. order for a big event in town. And uh, it was brutal. I, and I remember thinking to myself, this is the end of the company. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be the laughing stock of Victoria and, and it's all over. And what I realized was, yeah, it was painful at the time, but right away my head went to solutions. And I always like to say to my staff and anybody I talk to really is if, ev if what we did was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, so it is challenging. It's not about when things go smooth. It's when it's rocky and, and you got to make some choices and, and really support your client. And so for us, it was a neat experience where we were able to get some support from community partners to help us deal with the problem immediately. And then also in a recreation with the supplier, eventually get the products back looking the way they should. And I went around and hand delivered every single one to all of the people that nice. needed to receive these products. And from that, it's, it became a good story. We ended up having some good uh, uh, business relationships that I've developed from there. So it's not about being on the floor, it's getting up off the floor and moving forward. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the biggest thing that uh, I think would challenge any entrepreneur, yeah. especially in those early years. It's, yeah. it's so easy to look at it and be like, you know what, this is brutal, I'm going to go. And we're, I mean, we're in a government town. There's, right. you know, government jobs aplenty. Uh, there's a, uh, a lot of different options in the way you can uh, operate your life financially. But uh, to be an entrepreneur is the wickedest ride. And <laughs> other than the, my four kids that I have and trying to <laughs> ride along with all of that, this is definitely the second best ride that I've got. Mm, nice. Just a quick question, then we'll let you go and keep, keep doing your networking thing. Cool. Where do you find that fire to keep pushing through to get you through those hard times? I, I'd say it's my boys. Yeah, my kids for sure. I've got oh, uh, my boys yeah. uh, between. So my, my wife and I, who's my business partner as well, I should mention, which okay. is a whole nother set of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, We'll bring you back. Uh, on there you go. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast for sure. for sure. We got uh, uh, between the two of us, it's four boys, uh, two and two from our previous marriages. So our boys yeah. are after birthdays here in the next couple months, they'll be five, six, seven and eight. Oh, wow. Really? It, which is That's, a party. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I always like yeah. to make, I drop that first and then I say yeah. to people, People, you know, we because we do have relationships with their uh, with our both of our exes, the other sets of parents. Um, it's uh, three days where they're all together, two days uh, where it's just two and two of the boys, and then actually every uh, second weekend it's no kids. Oh, which so is that's serenity. When you, that's yeah. when you sleep yeah. <laughs> exactly, well, or or work more in my business. <laughs> so five through eight, we'll have you back on in ten years and talk about there, <laughs> how, well, how you're managing. They'll all be down in production. <laughs> Stringing medals and pressing t-shirts. <laughs> exactly. Keep them busy. Uh, nice. Awesome. Uh, great talking to you, Tony. Yeah, Thanks you too, guys. Thanks so much. Pleasure. We'll get you to introduce yourself. Uh, just talk for a minute about what you do and the impact that you make. And then we'll switch over into uh, maybe the greatest hurdle that you've had to overcome, either in personal or in business. But uh, we're, we're kind of focusing on entrepreneurship today. Sure. But you, you take it where you want. All right. So uh, my name is Mike Riley, and uh, I have my own financial practice uh, that I, I run here in Victoria, focusing in on the West Shore. And what, what I see is that, that most uh, young families are two paychecks away from financial disaster. So what I do is, is I help them build a financial flight plan that will get them to their destination despite all of life's turbulence. I have my own uh, practice, uh, my own specialty that I've developed. Uh, I call it gaining altitude, and it just focuses in with young families to help them understand that even if you've only got 25 bucks at the end of the month because you've got time, uh, you've got opportunity. 
So just helping them understand those risks that they're going to face and what they can do to take advantage of the growth potentials. Now, awesome. obviously, there's lots of reasons why the average family would be a couple paychecks away. What do you think would be maybe the main factor? There's a couple of things. Uh, first is, is ignorance, that the, the, the basics about financial literacy are just not taught in schools. And for a lot of us, our parents don't talk about it. It's one of the great taboos. We'll talk about food and sex and religion and politics, but people will money is the last thing they'll talk about. Mm. So when you leave school and you head out on your own, a lot of people just don't understand uh, how to manage money, uh, what insurance is, how credit works. So helping people overcome a lot of that. So that's the ignorance side of it. Uh, and the other is... Um, um, uh, shame. So, the, oh, you know, we, we're, it's too late, or I don't know anything, or it's already, we're already well behind. So people don't want to open up that, uh, that closet and let a, fi a financial advisor take a peek inside and see, you know, how bad is it? Uh, and in most cases, it's not as bad as people think. You know, we shine a little bit of light in and, uh, and, and things do get a lot better. So, a lot of its behavior in the industry a lot of what we do and there's lots of great financial advisors out there uh, it's not rocket science it, you can do a lot of, of your own work online anyway uh, but it's those behaviors of helping people understand that it's a choice between are you going to buy the coffee today are you going to buy the motorcycle are you going to uh, you're going to go on a, on a vacation that you can't afford yet and what does that mean for your long-term plan? And helping people understand those choices. Where do you think that fear around money or the conversation around money comes from? Um, I, I know one topic of conversation is that some of the, the powers that be in the financial institutions don't want to make it simple for people to understand it and, and kind of increases that fear and, and some people back off because of that narrative. Um, that's just one possible explanation. But, but where, why do you think people are unwilling to, to learn about money and, and manage it and, and teach it to children and help people with that? You know, I could only speak from my own anecdotal experience uh, that in a lot of cases, money is seen as, uh, as a bad thing. Uh, you know, all, all, all the idioms that we have that money is the root of all evil and money doesn't buy happiness, those are, are, are things that we've told ourselves often in, 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 from a scarcity mentality. There's only so much money to go around, and if somebody else has it, then there's not enough for, for, for me. And that's just not true. Uh, there's more than enough money out there, and there's more being made all the time. There's more money in existence now than there ever has been, and that trend will, will just continue as the, as the globe itself becomes wealthier. So what I think a lot of times is that people, and, and I can actually, from my own experience, uh, growing up that my the only time I ever heard my parents talk about money was to fight about it um, my dad always thought there was more than enough money and my mom always thought there wasn't enough money and both of them were wrong <laughs> you know it's sort of somewhere in the middle depending on on your perspective but for me uh, money was a was a source of conflict so grow, growing up and as a young adult it was something that I wanted to push aside that I didn't want to have anything to do with money that that, that money was, was going to be a detriment in my life. And that, that uh, reluctance to address it uh, 
ended up becoming a problem in my first marriage because I took those same behaviors I learned from my parents uh, and my first wife and I, we had different ideas about money as most couples do. And so we wouldn't talk about it because it was, it, I just didn't want to have the conflict. And by ignoring it, things that had been sort of a small problem in terms of starting to accumulate debt uh, became a much larger problem because you just ignore it and it grows and it grows like a cancer. And so it, it ended up becoming one of the things that was, was pivotal in, in why our marriage didn't last. So in working with a financial advisor myself, I started to understand you know, how money is just a tool. It's just there are vehicles that can help you manage it, take care of risk, grow. You can have conversations with money without it becoming uh, personal or, or vindictive or a source of conflict. And so uh, that's what I really enjoy helping uh, other people understand is that we can have con talks about money. We don't have to agree about it. But if I can help a, a couple underst understand that they're working towards the same goal, even if they come from a different place of, of money, um, that, that they, can, they can move forward together, even if they, they, they don't always agree about it, but it doesn't have to blow them up. Yeah, what I love what you've been saying, Mike, is a couple, couple takeaways for me is, is mindset and relationship. You know, you're, you're personalizing it. We often think about money as this, as, you know, you know, numerical kind of head thing, but mm. it's a very emotion connected, oh. right? It's, it's, it's perhaps that's even the most important, most important part of it is how we connect with the idea of it emotionally on an emotional level. And that probably impacts all our choices, right? When we spend money, it's often emotion based mm -hmm. and getting in touch with maybe some of where that's coming from, whether it's our own ideas of, you know, we grew up with a, a scarcity model. You know, where we were taught that money was a frightening thing mm -hmm. and uh, you brought up shame. So getting in touch with those emotions could per perhaps influence future spending habits. I love that. Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head, John. It, it is emotion. And, and the role of a good advisor is to help take the emotion out of it mm -hmm. so that it just becomes where we're dealing with some ones and zeros with a dollar sign in front. And where can we best allocate that to make an impact today and an impact down the road? And then as things change. Uh, how do we have to change the plan? You know, when a, a baby comes along or you buy a house or you start a business or you lose a job or you get a divorce or you get an inheritance or a sick parent moves in with you. All of these pivotal life moments are charged with emotion uh, and, and we have to address and how does this affect our overall plan and what are the opportunities we can take advantage? Yeah, yeah and I like the, the mindset piece as well because... and. The, the idiom that you referred to of money doesn't buy happiness, it's, it's absolutely true. And if we have the mindset that if we're rich, we'll be happy. And if we're poor, we'll be unhappy. That's going to not be a very healthy place because no. there's, there's no correlation there. No. It's what you choose. It's you create a life that, in, that makes you happy and it can be with X amount of dollars or whatever. It's, it's all about mindset and just understanding what values are most important and living aligned with those values. Mm -hmm. We all know people that you could who have that uh, behavior that, well, when this happens, then I'll be happy. When I finish school, then I'll be happy. When I get that great job, when I meet that right person, when I buy that car, then I'll be happy. And rarely does that, that moment make them happy. They're just that same unhappy person in a different place. 
and and I think you know we're now talking beyond the money thing. This is this is about yeah, you know, being sure. a satisfied person. Is you know, wanting what you have and having what you want are not always the same thing. And here we are at the Entrepreneur Conference, and entrepreneurs, and I'm speaking for myself here, are notorious for not knowing how to be content. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we hit our mark, we we hit the goal we, we, we set out to, to, to meet, and then instead of celebrating, uh, what's the next mark? Yeah. What's the next goal? Yeah. You know, we hit our financial goal. Well, okay, well, now how do we get to the next dollar figure? Uh, we need to learn how to be content and, and happy in the moment, and perhaps that would influence some of our emotional decisions that get us into trouble. <laughs> yeah, but but setting goals and, and making yeah. goals can be satisfying, and I think yeah. one, one of the takeaways that I got from this morning was that the difference between someone who works in a job and someone who's an entrepreneur is uh, if you're in a job, you're just making a living. Right. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're making a difference. Right. Oh, I like that. That's a good note to end on. Yeah, awesome stuff, yeah, Mike. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks yeah. for stopping by, Mike. And, and one other quick note. Um, you talked about financial literacy and, and giving that gift to our young people. And uh, you don't just talk about that. You do it. And you volunteer for uh, an organization called Junior Achievement. I do. And you go into schools and ex- teach that exact thing. So well done Thank you. Uh, in, in being a total man of principle and, and high values and... Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to know you and, and excited to finally bring you on. Well, thanks. Can people see me blush through the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Theme, we've been uh, giving you a minute or so to introduce yourself. Tell us about what you do, uh, how, why you're at a entrepreneurship summit, and then talk about some of the obstacles that you've overcome. And, and we've had a good conversation already, so I have a couple questions that I've got teed up for you okay so. that wasn't a question right no exactly okay, yeah. like, that was on. the longest most run-on question we're still yeah. okay. we're still new to this yeah we got a professional podcaster on today and she's gonna tell us how to do it as correctly. long as professionals in quotes it is good. yeah i did okay. quote that okay yeah so how long have you been doing this for you have two podcasts right i have two podcasts we started the first one two years ago um, and it's grown up to, I think, what did I tell you? 120. <laughs> what did you tell me? 120K. 120,000 so downloads. downloads. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, for one of the podcasts and the other one That's is still insane. growing. We get about, I don't know, 6,000 a month on that one. So that's been going about a year. And for people who have no idea what those numbers mean, that's a hell of a lot of downloads. I mean, that's a ton of downloads. And what yeah. is your topic, Sarah? So the biggest one, the biggest podcast is called Iron Women. And this is a play off of Iron Man, which is a long course triathlon. Um, and so we interview a lot of the pro women in the sport. Um, everyone from people who win the Iron Man World Championships in Kona down to like first year pro athletes. Awesome. And so you're a triathlete yourself. I was, yes. Okay. The, the question I had was, why is one sport not enough? <laughs> they often say that triathlon is something that people do who can't do one sport. Right. So I did. I wanted to be a pro athlete since I was a kid. We talked about that earlier. And definitely was not good enough to be a runner. Um, or a swimmer, so I just combined everything up and became a professional triathlete. 
But you're still passionate about it, and that's why you're now spending all your time speaking with you know, triathletes, which is awesome. Yeah, I love the sport, and I want to make change in the sport too, especially yeah. from the media side for the women. So that's important to me. So this is obstacle course. So talk to us a little bit about some of the notable obstacles you faced, perhaps in the early year, early months, maybe of starting these podcasts. Oh man. Okay. Can I tell you about an obstacle, Please. a different kind of obstacle that yeah. got me into this? Even better. Yeah. Okay. At the at the Ironman World Championships. Did you know that the, you know the one in Kona, Hawaii? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there are 35 slots for the pro women and 50 slots for the pro men. Uh, yeah. And so about five years ago or so, a group of us got together and decided to ask them to provide 50 slots also for the pro women. And we started, they said no, first off, when we asked. And so we started a big social media campaign. At that time, it was on Twitter because Instagram didn't exist. And we had hashtag 50 women to Kona. Mm. Um, we got a lot of traction. We were in Sports Illustrated. We, were, really? like, we had all kinds of like, high-level pro athletes involved in our movement. Um, and they still didn't change it. Yeah. What, so. what was the explanation? Yeah. So their feeling is that because there are more men in the sport in general, that it would be easier, therefore, for the pro women and easier for them to qualify. And so they don't want to make it easier. And they want to still keep all the slots available for the amateur men. Like, they're basically trying to keep their customers happy. I was going to say, do you accept that answer? <laughs> no. no what, yeah. what professional sport do you know yeah. that has, like, both men and women in it? Imagine if you were at the Olympics. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's eight men starting in this track event. But there's only six women because <laughs> there's not enough women who participate in the 400 meters right, in yeah. the world. So we're not going to do it. It doesn't no, make no. a lot of sense no, for pro sport. Not at all. No, no, for sure. So that was my obstacle yeah, that huge. I wanted to tell you about because that's how sort of I got into this, yeah. the media side, especially for the women. For sure. No, that was a great one. Yeah. And I mean, as you know, we're just new to this podcasting and so we'd love to hear you. You're a bit further on in the journey. Um, we just want to feel better about ourselves. How, do, <laughs> how did you flop and fail in your first few months just like we're doing a little oh, bit? Oh, man. I can't, I can't even <laughs> listen to the first episode yeah. that I recorded. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I was ter and I was so nervous and I was not good on the mic for sure yeah. um, and that came slowly so and I think we talked about it like I had yeah. maybe 300 people listen to the first episode yeah which is great <laughs> thank you yeah. impressive I feel like I was like where is the audience how do we grow this you know and then and then over time like it just sort of happens and you just you yeah. keep going and you keep developing a voice you know? so in terms of keeping going and you're a triathlete, or you were a triathlete. You have that in you still. Yeah, what? Sure. Maybe one last question as we're about to phase into the next part of our, our day today. But what is it that drives you when you're in the middle of a race or starting a podcast or a new project? Oh, man. Okay, so in the middle of a race, what drives me is to sort of finish what I started um, and also all the people who supported me to that point. So, like, when you're a professional athlete... You, you're not just working by yourself, but right. you have your coach and your team. team and you, yeah. yeah, so you owe them something when you're out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of the podcast and the media stuff itself, um, we've talked about this a lot this morning. I, I really want sport in general to be a more inclusive space for women and for people mm. who aren't generally included. So that's a big part of who I am and the change I want to make. And why don't you tell, tell us where our listeners can find your podcast and what they're called. Okay, so... 
The big one is called Iron Women. Iron you just women. search Iron yeah. Women podcast in your yeah. podcast app and you'll find it. Yeah. And then there's one that I'm on that's a little bit more um, cheeky, feisty. Uh, oh, like nice. Cheeky. <laughs> it's called that's our style. <laughs> cheeky and feisty. <laughs> it is cheeky and feisty. You don't, yeah. have, you don't have those. That means they, they swear. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we definitely have a little E on it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's called If We Were Riding, as in if we were riding bikes together, what we would talk about. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. You don't have cheeky and feisty trademark though do you we can still be cheeky and you feisty. can still use it but I, I am live feisty media so you can't steal that all right oh damn yeah. we're still gonna live feisty yeah <laughs> okay thanks a lot for coming on Thank yeah you. thanks guys okay. we've kind of been going with a somewhat similar path where you kind of start by introducing yourself a little bit talk a little bit of the work that you do and then explore maybe the greatest hurdle you've had to overcome either personal or in the work that you do uh i know it's it can be hard to keep that to like a 10 minute conversation but um take it whatever direction you wish to choose okay and you guys will ask me questions along the way absolutely we'll have a delightful time excellent sometimes we we don't even ask questions sometimes we make statements and then kind of leave them hanging okay and sometimes they'll just stare at you awkwardly (laughs) and that's fun too (laughs) uh okay um, so my name is Mia Golden, and uh, I wear a couple of hats, but um, one of my, uh, well, they're both passions, but um, one of the things that um, uh, keeps me up at night uh, is uh, my day job, which is um, I am the coordinator for the Crime Reduction and Exploitation Diversion Program. So CRED for short, because that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm with Pacific Centre Family Services, which is a counselling agency um, that serves children, youth and families out in the West Shore. Um, But my program covers all of uh, Greater Victoria. And so um, my mandate is working with uh, youth, who are either um, at risk or currently involved in gangs or sexual exploitation. And people don't think that that's happening in Victoria. And uh, let me tell you. They're wrong. (laughs) They're very wrong. Wow. So it's very, very busy. And um, there are um, many days that uh, uh, end with uh, tears or, you know, frustration um, just because of how how much is going on and and how um, how little people know about it. What's one of the more memorable sort of tearful days that you've had? I'm sure they're all memorable. Yeah. But what was yeah. what was one um, that you you kind of carry with you? Well, one that really uh, had an impact on me um, happened a few months ago, and I think part of it was I just I wasn't prepared for what. Um, what I was about to hear and um, I I work uh, I partner with a police officer so about five years ago uh, CRED partnered with um, uh, a a police position which is called the MIST position mobile youth services team and um, because we had similar mandate but just the team uh, is just one so I'm one person team and same with the MIST team so um, we had gotten word that one of the youth um, that we um, work with may have been um, sexually assaulted. Mm. 
So uh, we went and, and um, just wanted to check to see if she was okay and and if um, uh, if you know we could support her in some way. Um, and and uh, the disclosure came as soon as we asked her, and the and the the, the sounds that came out of her um, body were just they they still. Um, resonate um, I still hear them mm. and so and and the things that she said just really um, to me uh, it really uh, was a, a very clear example of so many of the of the uh, um, violence and harm that is happening to young girls this was a very young uh, teenager she was uh, like I think she was 14 at the time and so, um, yeah. So that was that was uh, that was a tough that was a tough day. I am happy to report, though, that she is now doing uh, very well, oh, um, and uh, she has um, she's out of the life that she was experiencing. Um, so, uh, so there are, are as many um, difficult days and challenging days. There are those really rewarding um, stories. So I have two kind of follow-up questions about that, which is breaking an interviewing rule, but I'm going to ask two questions at the same time. Uh, what inspires you to do the work that you do, the so critical, important, amazing work that you do, and how do you practice self-care while doing that work? <laughs> well, the self-care question I get asked all the time um, and I, that's where my other hat comes in. I, um, I'm a writer uh, and filmmaker and actor. And so it's quite cathartic. And, um, you know, some, some of the fellow filmmakers in Victoria that have read some of my um, scripts, <laughs> you know, always comment, wow, Mia, your stuff is really dark. Yeah. <laughs> but it's therapy for you. It, it absolutely is therapy. And, um, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's stories that need to be told, uh, stories that happen um, every day in every community. And so um, and, and I think my next one should be a comedy, though. I think I should try <laughs> that on for side. But that is, that is what I do for, um, for my self-care. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, as far as um, how is this a passion for me, I think... Um, I think I just I feel that anybody who uh, sees what happens in the world um, I think and we all do it in different in a different way in a different capacity um, but we want to we want to do something we want to make change we want to we want we want to make the world a little bit better um, unless you're a sociopath in which case um, you do the opposite. We don't, we don't have those people on the of course. Yeah. <laughs> this is good to hear. They don't listen either, I don't think. No. <laughs> those are the ones that we're trying to uh, put away. But, um, yeah, and so um, I, I, it, I've, been, I've been a counselor for many years now. Um, nobody needs to know how many years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just... I think, like a lot of us, we, you know, it's, it's, we ha I have a good heart, um, 
and and I think it's important that we remember that our heart is is big and and uh, we want to do good with it. And by doing good with it, it it grows our heart too. Like it practicing empathy, it encourages us to practice more empathy, and and that's the kind of contribution that makes us feel whole. Absolutely, we 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 can have Grinch moments every day where our heart grows three times bigger like it, it and it, it is it is true and um you know i i'm i'm a bit of a sap i i joke with my boss sometimes that uh um you know i'm like somebody comes in front of me and they start to cry and then i start to tear up and i said what kind of counselor does that yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um but it's 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 really it's really great to be able to see um people uh be given opportunities for for change and and then it's also sad to to watch that journey when it when it takes the time that it needs to take for for each individual everybody's different for sure one of the things i loved was how your self-care is still helping others yeah because it's like a gift so it's it's therapy for you but then also perhaps therapy for others through the message of what you're writing for sure, which, which is a which is the true win-win. It is a win-win, and yeah. I and I know f- for myself, uh, another piece of self-care is uh, sometimes I just need to I need to watch something for sure. awesome. Um, and uh, what's and your so, go-to awesome thing to watch? Okay, well I have a new one, and I'm recommending this <laughs> yeah, to let's everyone. Hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, uh, Ricky Gervais' Afterlife. It's oh, new. I saw that one on Netflix. Did, have right? you watched it? No, I just saw that it was on. Is it okay. worth watching? Absolutely. Really? You, okay. will, right. you okay. will cry, you will laugh, <laughs> you will cry some more, and then you will laugh some more. It's it's amazing. It's only I think eight eight episodes. Yeah. Um but that's okay, cool. That's my new recommendation. That's my nudge. Nice. Yep. Well thank you. And just if people want to contribute or help support the work that you do, where do they go to do that? Uh, they can go to our website, Pacific Center Family Services. Uh, we're also uh, about to launch our EPIC uh, campaign, which is encouraging pos- possibilities in communities. Um, and we are hoping to make many partnerships um, because we are a nonprofit agency. And so um, every dollar counts. And, uh, you know, our kids, our kids need and deserve it because most of our, most of our, um, programs uh and counseling services are free to the to the public so um yeah well community is so important and uh i i really appreciate people who work to strengthen the community and the connections that we have because we don't we never know when we will need it or when our neighbors or our family members or our friends will need it and having those resources out there for people is is so important and uh, i applaud that work that you do Thank you. And thanks and for sharing it with us today. You're uh, very welcome. And it was great meeting you guys. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Most people say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you're, and really the, the key thing about you guys is how, how humble you are. <laughs> Thank you. John's not actually very exactly. humble. <laughs> I think I'm the most yeah. humble person yeah, in this that was, room. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> All right. No, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Janelle Anderson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Please tell us about yourself. 
about myself, uh, like personally or business-wise? Whatever you want our hordes of listeners to know. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we just had um, a speaker come up uh, named Jason Dorland, and he really spoke to me because he kind of relays the same message that I really like to relay, and it's just kind of to base everything about love. Um, And so my business is um, kind of about love, but my whole demeanor as a person is always give people more love, and I've done a lot of self-work, and with the self-work, I've always been in high schools where it's like they're judging you and people are mean to each other and and so as an adult I find that people do that too and then for myself I always just if I feel like I'm judging people I'm always like okay that means I need to give them more love or love myself more because why am I feeling this like hatred or this you know this weird feeling towards somebody else so for myself I myself as a person I think that I'm very wholehearted and that a lot of people need more love and we just don't really know how to how to give it or where to start so how did you learn that when did that become apparent um i want to say after i dated uh this guy for four years and when we broke up i was 21 and i was so lost um i kept like dreaming about him and i kept getting rejected in the dream and then i went to this kind of therapy place and the the guy actually was like just so you know it's not about the ex that you're dealing with it's about like your childhood and not getting enough love and your childhood or what you think that you needed and so from then on I kind of started on my self-love journey and and that's kind of where I am today so it's even and you grow like every time so in the past like even three years I'm totally different than where I was before so so Jason talked a lot about um, us finding um, our identity through what we do would you say before it was you found your identity through who you were with yeah yeah and, and so uh, when and that relationship you know fell apart that was part of your identity and then you had to find it yeah that, yeah right? I would always say um <clears throat> in like high school and middle school I'd always be like oh I'm a follower not that I would copy what people would do but I would never have like my own ideas and I would never do stuff really on my own and and now it's you would never ever think that of me, right? Totally. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. So, getting back, keeping with the stuff Jason was talking about, that that's all about extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. Like when you were considered yourself a follower and you were looking for other people's attention, or you were lacking love, or looking for love on the out, outward, looking for it extrinsically, it's it doesn't pay off. It. You're, you never get satisfied. You're always chasing. But when we're able to build that intrinsic motivation of self-love and self-respect, a healthy self-image, that's when there's that intrinsic motivation and, and you can feel that joy and you can just be content in, in whatever you're doing, even if things aren't going well on the outside. Yeah. That's the goal. But it's a process, right? It probably took you a number of years to I, get there. And I'm still yeah. working yeah. on it. I still haven't mastered that. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah. and like Jason said, he'll, he'll probably work on it till the day that he dies. And I yeah. feel like that's the whole point. I, if you're not growing in that self-love, then you're kind of almost dying, right? Because you're not learning mm. new stuff every day. So, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a process. It's, but it's amazing because you get to change and you get to think of things in different ways. And and um, earlier today when we were talking about like writing down our goals and, and stuff, I constantly was writing down that I want to just live in bliss because bliss is when you love everybody. It doesn't matter people's uh, opinions of you because you love yourself that much. And it, I'm not talking about like an egotistical love. Like I'm the best person, but it's like you're just in so much love that it's it's 
life is beautiful, right? And, and everything that you do, it can turn out that way. So. so what habits have you cultivated to help you do that on a daily basis? Um, well, <laughs> this is hilarious. People always ask me, I get up at 4 a.m. Nice. And so when I get up at 4, it's kind of my time. So when I get up, uh, if you would, if you were to see my house, it's plastered in positive affirmations, like nice. stuff that I want to accomplish. My my dream boards are up there, so I do that first thing in the morning. Um, I do yoga, I meditate, I write my goals out daily, weekly, monthly, um, and just do that every day. And then I just take that time from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's just my time, so that mm. anything else during the day it's focused on business, and then I don't have to worry about anything else. So, what is the effect of this? daily routine what what immediate effects do you receive from it um immediate effects would be that my day starts off right because i've done everything and i'm in the right headspace i don't wake up and i'm like oh my god it's running i wake up i'm like hey why am i happy to be alive what am i thankful for what am i looking forward to like all this type of stuff right so it just gets me on the right mindset for the day and then it's kind of throughout the day that i'm just remembering what i did in the morning to get myself here so and then what are what are those bad habits you've stopped doing that were getting in the way uh cutting out distractions so netflix um surrounding myself with people that weren't helping me grow people that aren't on the same mindset as me um men in particular (laughs) (laughs) cut out men (laughs) um like eating like bad food like alcohol is a big one um just kind of the stuff that lowers your vibration at the end of the day and Mm. and just really and a a big part of that for me for a long time was like oh i could never ever be alone i spend probably like 95 percent of my time alone when i'm not working (laughs) because you're more whole now probably yeah yeah exactly yeah so last question and we'll let you go and continue to network and and spread the love (laughs) but what would you say to someone who's hearing about that daily routine like getting up at 4 a.m Ooh, that's maybe that's a little early for me but it doesn't have to be four but the the routine of meditating of writing in a journal of those positive affirmations what what would you say to someone who's like "Eh, i don't think that's up my alley which could have been you a few years ago was me a few years ago what advice yeah i mean just it's almost uh it's hard to kind of explain but i almost have to just say like trust the system just try and test it out because it's a proven fact even if you don't believe it um if you write stuff down and you think about it all the time and and you just attract whatever you put out there so if you're constantly like in rush hour and you're like oh i hate traffic and these people are stupid and honking on your horn all that stuff that's what you get in your life all the time so the more positive stuff you put in your life like writing what you love about everything in your life every day and doing the meditation and really taking that time for yourself it gets attracted back so well and you feel better right you feel amazing that's why you that's why you're keeping doing it it's working yeah it's and you and (laughs) literally like it's you whistled i whistled down the street i love the rain like i'm happy like you guys know me i'm happy all the time like she is (laughs) (laughs) janelle so much wisdom wrapped up in you and how old are you uh 26 yeah. Wow. So, everybody wow. out there, millennial that, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am not the uh, typical millennial. I don't even, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sure. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. As the host, we are we are steering the ship, and and we have a course, and we'll maybe stick to it. Is it an obstacle course? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Speaking of obstacle course, Clay, you're the one of the masterminds behind this wonderful experience we've had all day. 
Um, tell us about what it's like to try and put together an event of this size and, you know, convince entrepreneurs to give up the day to come to it. What are some of the major obstacles you face doing an event like this? Ooh, uh, it's, I think there's a couple because we had three world-class speakers mm -hmm. and to understand what it is that they're capable of offering and understanding what people are going to get out of this event and then be able to communicate that to the people in our marketing and our advertising. So we're really trying to figure out what the day is all about that these other people are going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. um, so that was uh, probably our first number one challenge. And then the second challenge is in that conversation with the uh, entrepreneurs themselves and the business leaders who we want to have attending here, um, once we gain an understanding of what, what they have to offer, we know that this is going to be incredibly valuable for them. And we're trying to figure out how to have that conversation and, and share that message with them that this is really going to help you in your business. And entrepreneurs are always way too busy. Yeah. So yeah. how do you convince someone to... Uh, essentially take a day off uh, away from working on your business to come and work on yourself yeah um, so probably those two things is is sharing that message with the people that uh, need to hear it and trying to convince them that they need to learn it yeah communicate the value of it it's not an easy thing to do mm -hmm. like how do you express how do you quantify the value of a full day workshop with amazing speakers that have a ton of content which again some people might not get any value of it if they don't lean in and open themselves up to learning and doing the work when you come to this you can get zero value and completely waste your money or you can take these exercises take notes go home study it apply it to yourself apply it to your business mm -hmm. and then it, it can be exponential value yeah and i think uh that everyone has value for it the one of the toughest things is to understand the value that they're bringing and then out of a hundred different attendees every single person has a different perspective of the value that they're gaining from it so when you're having that conversation with them what am i going to get out of this converse out of this conference uh well only you know that for yeah. certain so how do you how do you share that conversation with someone from their perspective yeah um so yeah honestly my opinion i've been to a lot of these and i think it just always comes down to mindset like andrew was saying like we talked yeah. about today if you come in with a mindset that doesn't matter who's speaking i'm going to get something out of it you probably will you could bring in you know the absolute top tier speakers in, in, across the whole world and if people come in and they're distracted by their business or what's going on in personal life they're not going to benefit so yeah. it's not just about the speakers. It's also about, but how can, that's the only thing you can control, right? You can't control someone's mindset. Yeah. When, no. when we went to the Tony Robbins event last year, he was hellbent on getting people like sweating, dancing, jumping yeah. around, moving to keep that focus. Mm -hmm. And it was exhausting by the end of it because he spoke for six hours because he's a machine. Yeah. No bathroom break. None at all. Yeah. yeah. And like pumping no. music constantly he was sprinting around <laughs> the 5,000 yeah. seat theater like high-fiving and yelling at people he's 59 yeah it was amazing <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> you stayed you were paying attention 
and and you got more out of it because of that high energy and we talked about energy like the energy you put in the energy you start your day with that the energy that's derived from self-care and and putting nutrition and and healthy things into your system it all has an effect yeah and the point about mindset i think charlene started off the day with that by saying if you're going to expect magic out of something the magic's going to show up yeah and uh yeah it's up to everyone to show up at the event like this and figure out what the magic is for them absolutely well not just literally a rule for life <laughs> i mean really yeah. well, for across the board some people <laughs> yeah yeah so clay let's talk a little bit more about you what is the greatest hurdle that you've overcome in the work that you do and the, and the business and relationships you've created well what is your business again just for for our listeners who uh so i've recently started doing marketing consulting okay. uh but i've been running a painting business for seven years and i had an events business before that oh, okay. so i've been awesome. self-employed for close to a decade now okay um in terms of a problem i would probably say not getting paid uh that's a big one cash flow yeah so you do a job and you're paying your entire crew and paying for all the paints and then you don't get paid oh i know all about it and then yeah Yeah. you're trying to figure out how to pay yourself and uh keep everything going so when the damn employees want to be paid every two weeks (laughs) it's like i just paid you two weeks ago i know stop being so greedy i know it's uh (laughs) how dare they so what are your strategies for coping (laughs) with those types of issues um now i'm a little more diligent about contracts Mm -hmm. and um there's a better at recognizing the people that I don't know if I'm going to trust their word. Right. Um, and I've been very lucky with my business to be building it from referrals and repeat customers. So I've had conversations with people and not signed paperwork, not done deposits um, yeah. and stuff like that and worked for a couple of weeks. And I know... Like I trust that the it's going to be there because um, it's not just a contract; it's a relationship that's being built. What fires so, you up about entrepreneurship? Why do you keep starting businesses? That's a good question. When I was in school, that's when I sort of learned that business is a passion of mine. I went to school for to study psychology. Found out that I did not like it. And simply made the decision that if I was going to come out of school, I was going to end up working for a business and I might as well learn something about business. So I went to study business and then I went, oh, wow, this is like how I see the world. I have a business mind. I have uh, this is what it is that I enjoy doing. Um, And then coming out of school, I hit a glass ceiling in an organization and was told that I couldn't make any more money. And I was like, I've barely tap my potential so Hmm. if i can't uh, work with you to get better then i guess i'm gonna have to branch out on my own and and uh yeah i like the the challenge of um solving problems on a regular basis and when you're in business for yourself uh the problems are always within you um it's a if you have a problem and you keep or you keep having the same problem then the challenge is figuring out the new skill set that you need to develop, um, the new mindset that you need to approach it with, and stuff like that. Um, playing a lot of sports growing up, it's I always need to have a, a personal challenge, and if I don't have something mm-hmm. like that, then I get really bored. 
Um, and yeah. that's why I never really did all that well working for other people. <laughs> yeah. Because they just wanted to put me in a box. <laughs> yeah. And that problem solving mentality, and you say that the, the problem's always within you. And, and by that same extent, the solution is always within you. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the one thing I like about entrepreneurship is as many out of control things as there is, you're ultimately always in control of the out of controlness. You know, it, it's yeah. not like yeah, think meditate on that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can't control anything yeah. that's going to happen, but no. you can control how you react to it. Yeah. Well, well, and what I what I meant by that too, Andrew, <laughs> is uh, it's it's not in somebody else in control of it, and you're having to just go along with what they figure out. Yeah, you, know, you can kind of go and decide how you're gonna, you know, solve that problem, or you know, if you want to fire someone, go ahead. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I will choose to work this 17 hour day. Yeah, exactly. It's my business. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Did that last weekend. All right. Well, speaking of long days, yeah. we've, we've all been here for one of them. <laughs> going on nine hours in this room. Uh, thanks to Bear Mountain for hosting us. And uh, thanks for your work in putting it on and marketing it and yeah. sending it out to the masses. And it was a pretty fantastic day. So uh, I think it's about time to wrap up and head to the lobby bar. Thanks, Clay. <laughs> thanks yeah. a lot, Clay. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Well, that's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate your time and attention. If we can make one request, please subscribe. How do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do. We also got social media, guys. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow us there. We also got a really fancy website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That is the one. It's where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies. And if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast, please let us know. Send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on. Mm -hmm, for sure. We're always looking for good people. Thanks for listening. Keep pushing through those obstacles.